0: This morning we are continuing the journey that we started last Sunday morning. This is the journey that will take us through the book of 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 2 this morning looking at the first 11 verses. So I encourage you, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and find 1 John chapter 2. We're going to be there in just a minute. And while you're turning there, I want to take a moment to remind you of the context of the book of 1 John. It was written by John the Elder in AD 70 through 95. And as we think of that, as we think of that context, I want to just share one more time some background information that I shared with you last Sunday. If you were here last Sunday or if you heard Through the live stream, the the sermon from last Sunday, this will sound familiar to you. John wrote this book while he was at Ephesus. Population of Ephesus was around 300,000 people. And when we think of 300,000 people, just to give you an example, or something for our minds to uh, relate with, that is approximately the size of Lexington, Kentucky today. So that, where John wrote, um, the book of First John. It was in a, a community that was about the same size as Lexington, Kentucky is today. Now, Ephesus was the capital city of the province of Asia, and it's located in the part of the world that we know as modern-day Turkey. It was a leading trade center in the Roman Empire. It was a beautiful city. It was a sophisticated city. It was wealthy, and it was also a pagan city. Now, there is also, just like with the last few sermon series that I've done, there is a dominant theme that we see over and over as we read through the book of 1 John. And it's this, God is light in love, and believers show their love for God by doing what? Loving one. Another. And that is so very important. So, with all that in mind, I want to invite you to stand if you are physically able to this morning to honor the reading of God's Word. And I do want to remind you as we read this, this is indeed God's Word. Let's listen closely. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much just for that the opportunity that we have to open your word this morning and to read your word and to study it. Lord, we we know that that is a privilege that many people in various parts of the world do not have this morning. I pray that we would never take that privilege lightly. And Father, now I pray as always that you will hide me behind your cross. Lord, I pray that I will preach you and you crucified. What I pray that your anointing will be upon me this morning. What I pray that I will preach and the power of the Holy Spirit, and I pray that I will point these people to you and to the cross. And Father, as I always pray, if there is one, even one this morning that is hearing my voice that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, may this be the day that, that we see salvation in this place. May we leave rejoicing. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And Father, for the things that you will do in this place this morning. We will give you the praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is this, Are We Walking in the Same Way That Jesus Walked? Are we walking in the same way that Jesus walked? Now, if you were here last week or if you heard the sermon last week, you know that I included verses 1 and 2 in last week's sermon. But I wanted to just start with those two verses today just to give us a starting place. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. World, And you'll probably remember that I said last week, I am so thankful for the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. I am so thankful for that. God's mercy and grace, it is so very real today. And I am thankful that I have experienced that. And I hope that you would say the same thing about your life. But I want to repeat one thing that I said last week the love, mercy, and grace of Jesus Christ, it is not by any means a license for us to sin. It is not. And if that's how we treat it, then I'm going to say this morning, we don't understand the mercy and grace of Jesus if we at all treat that as a license to sin. Notice here in these two verses, John is saying he's writing this so that we may not sin, but if we do sin, then we have an advocate. Jesus Christ the righteous, that is Wonderful, wonderful news. He is the propitiation. He is the atoning sacrifice for my sins, for your sins, and not just for our sins, but for the sins of the entire world. And that is wonderful this morning. And it should cause us to rejoice. That should cause us to rejoice. But I I don't want us to be confused this morning. By no means does this mean that everyone will be saved. And let me tell you why it doesn't mean that. There are people who will intentionally make the choice that they are not going to accept God's free gift of salvation. Those people will not be saved. They will not be saved. But God's Word makes it clear That those who hear the gospel and respond, they will be saved. I want to take you just a moment to Romans chapter 10. We're going to begin with verse 9. God's Word tells us there, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be, you will be saved. And that is wonderful news this morning. Now, I know many of you, you've heard me say so many times, especially during invitations, I go over the ABCs of salvation. This is why I do it. The B and C is on the screen right now. They are both crucial parts of the salvation process. Verse 10 For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the church said, Amen. That is wonderful news this morning. Again, not everyone will be saved, but those who hear the gospel and call on Him through the ABCs of Christianity, they will be saved. And that is wonderful news. Now, in the remainder of our text this morning, we are going to see some things that God's Word says that followers of God must do. And as we begin to take a step into the Scripture this morning, I want you to realize these things are not optional. It's not things that are suggestions that we do but instead, it's, it's things that followers of God must do. And the first thing that we're going to see this morning in verses 3 through 6 is that true followers of God, guess what? They must actually obey God. True followers of God must obey God. Now, when you hear that this morning, it almost sounds like a given, doesn't it? Well, of course, true followers of God must obey God. I mean, it just seems like it's a given that that is exactly what should happen. But I want to just ask a question this morning. Doesn't that sound familiar as we look through society today? There's a lot of people that claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, they're not obeying God, they're not keeping his commandments. And and perhaps you're thinking, you know, I don't know that I know of anybody like that. Then perhaps we need to open our eyes. There's a lot of people that I talk to, many of them on the phone. And I'll ask them, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And the answer will be, yes, I do. Yes, I do. But then they'll go on to tell me about some obvious and intentional sin that's in their life that they're not willing to do one thing about. That person is not obeying the commandments of God. They are not obeying God. It's around us all the time today. This letter was written in Ephesus, but it could just as easily be written today about the United States of America. It could be. True followers of God must obey God. Now, remember, John is writing this to combat some false teaching that is going on. And guess what had happened? As a result of that false teaching, some people had started to believe the false teaching. And can I tell you, that's always what happens. That is always what happens when false teaching is present. There will be some people that will believe it. Because there are people today in our world, they want the easiest and quickest thing that is possible. And so if they hear somebody to describe something that sounds easier than what the Word of God says, unfortunately there are people that will believe that. But there were some people in Ephesus who claimed to know God, but they were doing nothing to keep His keep the commandments of God. They were doing absolutely nothing. And again, that sounds so familiar as we look around our society today. Now, I want to be sure that we understand this morning that John is not saying here that we have to have perfect obedience to the Bible. That is not what he's saying. But the issue here is whether or not we take God's commandments serious or not and actually try to keep them. If we are truly born again, we will not live our lives in a total disregard for the commandments. Of God. We simply will not do that. Now, verses 5 and 6 shed a little bit more light on this. "'Whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked.'" Again, I know that I'm being bold, but hopefully you know by now that's who I am and I've got to stop and ask a question. Are we walking in the same way in which He walked? Am I walking that way? Are you walking that way? And then I've got to ask a follow-up question. If not, why not? That's the expectation. Are we walking in the same way in which He walked or not? And then if not... Why not? Now, in the remainder of our text this morning, we are going to see something else that true followers of God must do. They must love their brothers and their sisters in Christ. They must do that. As we begin to look this, at these verses, I want to say that anyone who claims to be a true follower of God but does not love his brother or his sister in Christ, that person is not living in the light, but instead they are living in darkness. They are living in darkness. John tells them here in verse 7 that he's not writing, he is not writing some type of new commandment. But instead, it's one that they've had from the beginning. But then he goes on to say that's also a new commandment. So what's going on with that? I want to shed just a little bit of light on that for you this morning. When he says this is not not a new commandment, in the beginning, he's referring to Leviticus 19.18 where God's Word tells us, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then when he refers to actually a new commandment, one of the places that he's referring to is where Jesus says in John fifteen twelve, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And as we take a look at the final part of verse 8, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining, I I want to focus on that beginning now for practically the remainder of this morning's message. As we take a look within at each of our individual lives, do our lives contain darkness, any darkness? Does my life contain any darkness? Does your life contain any darkness? I want to tell you this morning, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And in me there is no darkness, none at all. So with that, we can rest assured that the darkness in our lives will be exposed When Jesus shines the light on that darkness, it will be exposed. Now, for some people, that may not be until they stand before Him face to face at the end of their life. But at that point, the darkness will be exposed. And it will not be fun to try to justify that to Jesus. Is there darkness in our light, in our lives this morning? Now, one of the tools, one of the tools that John uses as he describes light and darkness, he's using the literary tool of imagery. And as we look at verses 9 through 11 that's on the screen right now, John says through God's Word that it's not possible, it's not possible for a person to walk in the light and in the darkness at the same time. It's not possible to walk in the light and the darkness at the same time. Now, if we stop to think about that, we know it's true. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you have just taken a step into a room that is pitch black dark. You can see nothing, not even your hand in front of your face. Now imagine that you've flipped a light switch on. What happens? Is it dark it's The darkness goes away, doesn't it? Why? Because the light's shining. The light has exposed the darkness. Now, I want to give you a situation. The light always exposes the darkness. It's, it's just a matter of when the light exposes the darkness. Earlier this week, actually on Thanksgiving Day, I had a situation that I really needed the light to expose the darkness. But it didn't. <laughs> yeah, Kaylee's laughing. She knows what I'm getting ready to tell. My mom's side of the family meets at 11 o'clock in Edmonton, and we all, we all take certain dishes. I take turkey. I take rolls. And um, Karen and I get up at 1.30 on Thanksgiving morning. My goal is to have turkey in the oven at 2 a.m., so I will be prepared to leave the house at 6.30 to go to Edmonton. And that was all going good. We had got the turkey in the oven. Karen had gone back to bed for a while. And it dawned on me that I was going to need to take with me a dish that was in the basement refrigerator. And so we knew before we went to bed the night before that there was one thing in there that we were going to have to get. It was the roll, though, that I had made. But I wasn't too concerned about that because I knew Karen would go down there and get it and I wouldn't have to worry about being quiet. Isaac and Faith were in the guest bedroom with sleep downstairs in the basement, so it dawned on me, though, not only will she have to go down there, I'm going to have to go, too. And so we go down there. Karen asked me, after I told her, she said, do you think we can go down there without turning the light on? And so the light won't be in their face. And I said, "No, well, maybe. So she's in the front. She has on a white sweatshirt. And I can sort of see the image of her in front of me going down the basement steps. And So since I've had bifocals, I am always really careful about going down steps because sometimes the steps are not where they look like they are. And so I was doing good until I got the bottom step. I was holding on, and I thought, am I actually at the bottom step or not? Because, you know, I didn't want to take another step off, another step if I wasn't actually at the bottom. And so I was focusing on that. I was had my foot out trying to feel what was in front of me. And I was truly at the bottom step, so I turned left to go to where the... Door is to go in the unfinished part of the basement. And at that point, Karen had disappeared. She was, already, she was already in the unfinished part of the basement. It was dark in there. It was dark. I thought I knew where I was. Now, I want you to, to focus a minute. I thought I knew exactly where I was. But as it turned out, I didn't. I was roaming around in that darkness of that dark basement. And I was not where I thought I was. And trying to be quiet, the next thing I knew, I ran into this guitar that is in the corner, and I somehow managed to hit every string on it. And it was like, bring And then the next thing was my face was plastered in the cement wall of that basement, trying to be quiet. You see, I was comfortable walking through that darkness. I thought I knew exactly where I was. And I want to represent to you this morning, there are a lot of people who have become really comfortable walking in spiritual darkness. They think they know exactly what the situation is, and the vast majority of them don't even realize they're walking in darkness. And that's a serious, serious thing. Remember, the section of verses tells us that true believers, they must love Their brothers and sisters in Christ. Verses 9 through 11, they're very vivid in describing this. If you say that you're a believer, but you hate a brother or sister in Christ, the Bible says that you're in darkness. If you truly love your brothers and sisters in Christ, then you are in the light and there's no cause for stumbling. Just like I was going through that dark basement on Thursday morning, I stumbled. It was dark. And if you are going through your spiritual life in darkness, you are going to stumble. You will stumble. The only question is, it's a matter of when it will happen. If you hate your brother and sister in Christ, you're walking in the darkness. And the scripture says you don't know where you're going. And the reason is the darkness has blinded your eyes. The darkness has blinded your eyes. And again, sadly, most people who are walking in darkness, they don't even realize they're there because they've become so comfortable with it. So as we think about the invitation this morning, first of all, the invitation is to people who are hearing my voice right now, whether you're physically sitting in the sanctuary, whether you're hearing the live stream, or whether you're hearing this on the radio. If you're hearing my voice right now and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know this invitation is for you. Whenever you hear it, I want you to know that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you come to the point in your life where you realized that you were a sinner? Where you were willing to admit that you were a sinner? Do you believe that Jesus is God's Son? That everything the Bible says about Jesus is true? That He loved us so much that He died on that old rugged cross. That He physically died. He was removed from the cross. He was placed in a tomb. He was physically dead. But He rose three days later. And that is why we celebrate Easter. You must believe all of that. In addition to that, God's Word tells us He's coming back again. He is coming back again. I don't know when that is that he's coming back, but here's what I do know. Each day that we stay on this earth, we're one day closer to it than we were yesterday. One day closer than we were yesterday. It might be today. I don't know that, but are you ready if your life should end today? If the answer to that is no, you can be ready today. You can take care of that today. I would love to introduce you to this man named Jesus Christ. There are others here this morning that would love to pray with you, that would love to introduce you to this man that we follow named Jesus Christ, our Savior of the world. The second part of the invitation this morning is maybe you're here this morning and you realize I'm walking in spiritual darkness. If you've realized that, that can end today too. Lay that at the feet of Jesus and commit to following Him, Jesus, the light of the world. The third part of the invitation this morning is maybe you're carrying a burden this morning. Can I tell you there is no better place to lay that burden than at the feet of Jesus. He's sufficient. No matter what that burden is, He is sufficient. Until you take care of that burden, will you lay that at his feet? Perhaps you have another need this morning. Whatever the need is, I pray that you will come. Jesus is sufficient. Would you pray with me this morning, please? Father, I give you praise that, that you are the light of the world, that Jesus is the light of the world, and that in him there is no darkness at all. What a wonderful, what a wonderful truth that that is. Father, I pray right now for people who are hearing my voice that might not know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, may this be the day that your conviction will fall upon hearts and lives. Lord, I pray that we will see salvation in this place today. I pray that we will see you move mightily this morning. I pray that we will see you lift burdens from people's lives. What I pray that we will see reconciliation occur. What I pray that just as your word tells us that they the world will know that we are Christians by the love that we have for each other. What I pray that when the outside world looks at us they will see that we are a group of believers in Jesus Christ that truly do love each other. What I pray that we will see you move mightily in this place today and I pray that you will always receive the praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.